0: Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Well, hello, and thanks for listening to the Legacy Women's Podcast. And today I'm having a conversation about marriage with Lonnie Scholar and Jennifer Wood. And last year we talked about marriage with several of the women involved in our premarital counseling ministry, and these ladies are all part of our new marriage mentoring our marriage mentoring program um, for couples who've been married for any length of time. Um, But even before their involvement with the marriage mentors program, these ladies have been encouraging and counseling couples for many years. So I wanted to draw them out so we can benefit from their wisdom. So can both of you introduce
1: yourselves? Lonnie, do you want to go first? Sure. I'm Lonnie Schollard, and I am married to Tom, and we have three children. Uh, Our son, Chad, is... um, here in Knoxville, and he has six children. And then our daughter, Jill, is in Winchester, Virginia, and she has a daughter. And then Valerie is here in Knoxville. Hi, um, I am Jennifer Wood,
2: and I am married to Michael Wood. And we have three kids, all grown, married, all live here in town. Our oldest has two children. Our middle has Three and our youngest has three, and one that's due was due yesterday. Oh, wow, so, so anytime already. we'll have number eight come. Yes.
0: <laughs> How many years have each of you been married? Uh,
1: 45.
0: I've wow. been married.
1: Oh, wow. my goodness,
2: 34. Okay, very good. Lots of
1: years of experience. Uh, Lonnie, can you share your testimony? Sure, I was raised in a uh, very moral, church going family in a small town near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And as a little girl, I was very shy and anxious and fearful and would get homesick, even staying overnight at my grandmother's house, which seems kind of crazy. We attended church regularly, and I remember loving to sing the hymns and hearing Bible stories. But to me, they were just stories. I had no idea how they related to me and my life. In middle school, I came out of my shell a little more and made some friends, some of whom were not great influences. Then at the end of ninth grade, my dad made a career change and we moved from our small town to a suburb of Pittsburgh. My dad's new boss was a Christian and he invited us to visit his church. It was in a Sunday school class there that I heard the gospel for the first time. I remember the teacher saying Jesus wanted to be my savior and my friend. I was lonely, in a new school, new surroundings, And so the idea of Jesus as a friend was pretty appealing. And that day I confessed my sins and asked him to be my savior. I didn't really have any idea this was a lifelong commitment. But Philippians 1.6 tells us that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. I didn't tell anyone I'd responded to the gospel because I really didn't know I was supposed to. But I later learned that my dad had given his life to Christ during that time as well. We didn't stay at that church, but looking back, I see how that divine appointment began a life of following Christ. In the Psalms, David talks about being lifted out of the miry clay. As I reflect on that time in my life, I truly was lifted out of the miry clay, and I was at a crossroads, and by God's grace, He plucked me from the path of destruction and put me on a path of following Him. That year, I became involved in Young Life and was really enjoying it when my family decided to return to our small town only 11 months later. We returned, and we found a new church, and it was there that my mother heard the gospel and responded. We joined the Baptist Church, and this is where I really began growing in my faith and realized the truth in Ephesians 2, where it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desire of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of la- wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. God moved our family to a place where I could hear the gospel, And he moved us back to a place where I could grow in my faith. And then God brought Tom to that church five years later. It is only because he first loved me that I'm here today. That's great.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, Let's launch into the questions on marriage. So the first one I had was just personal. What is the biggest thing that God has taught and or grown you
2: in in your own marriage? Jennifer, what? Um, I would have to say that um, it is to seek Him first and everything. That um, I feel like you can't really, or that God won't really allow your husband to meet your needs if you haven't allowed God to meet your needs. Hmm. Um, And if you are looking for contentment only in your husband it's not going to happen you have to get that contentment from God first and then it's kind of like your husband is extra contentment on top of that and that um, you that contentment that you have cannot be controlled by your circumstances because sometimes marriage may end up looking different than you thought or you may be going through a rough time in it. And so if you're looking to God, then he will give you what you need to navigate through those harder times.
0: How um how have you grown in doing that, seeking the Lord first over the years?
2: Um, there were um, times in our marriage that were when, when I was when we were first married my husband was not a Christian so there were lots of times when I had to turn to God to um, get my a security from and that type of thing because my husband was not in a place to be a husband as as Christians we think husbands should be so I guess in all that it just there were lots of opportunities for me to learn to trust God first mm. and for Him to help me through circumstances that weren't maybe the best circumstances
1: and that type of thing. Mm. Yeah, good. What would you say, Lonnie? Um, I think for me, patience was the number one thing that was really tough. You know, I was raised in a, a home where. Um, we were expected to do a lot and for some reason in my dad's world everything was on a a tight timeline so the faster you could get things done the better and so and he never wanted you to come to him with a problem without having the solution already you know he, he it was okay if it wasn't the right solution but he didn't want you to just lay out the problem and So now what do I do? So we had to figure it out. So when I met Tom, he's a very contemplative person. (laughs) And so, you know, we would be talking about making a decision. And within 30 seconds, I already had it. And he would still be thinking about it. And I would just be thinking, what is your problem? Come on, let's just do it, you know. And the Lord just really had to work in my heart to be patient and I really had to almost work at keeping my mouth shut and just waiting. And the beauty of it was, is as I learned to wait, most of the time my immediate thoughts and solutions were horrible. And Tom's contemplative thoughts were really the right thing. And sometimes even if he would tell me what he thought, then... I would think to myself, oh, that's not a very good idea. But the Lord would quicken me and say, just let it go, and it would work out great, you know. And so he just kept proving to me over and over, just be patient, just trust me, and trust Tom. And it it just has grown over the years to, to be patient and waiting. And it just turns out that Tom is very contemplative, and he thinks things through it, where I'm— more rushing into decisions you know so that's how it's worked for us Mm, that's good yeah god often puts
0: very different people together (laughs) to help us grow um from your own experience um or your was or your experience counseling uh other women what are some maybe a truth or a biblical principle um that you would most want to encourage wives in Mm. Lonnie, did you have
2: one
1: Yeah, I think for us, um, the Ecclesiastes 4, um, 9 through 10 has kind of just been one of our um, scriptures that we always can see God working through both of us. And um, it says two are better than one because uh, they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. And Tom and I have talked a number of times, and there have really, throughout the 45 years we've been married, there have been very few times when we've both been down at the same time. Usually when one of us is struggling, the other one is there <clears throat> to to pick them up and say, come on, you can do this, it, it's going to be all right, you know, and encourage. we just encourage each other. And so that, to me, has just been very valuable, you know, that... I know that if I'm struggling, he's there for me. And when he struggled, I've been there for him, you know. So it's, it's really, that scripture has proven itself. Mm. Okay. Um, I think for me, it's um, that he
2: always provides what you need for the walk he has called you to walk. Um, if there's been times where your marriage has been hard or if you have a child that can be, that's difficult, I feel like if you lean into him, he will give you what you need for that circumstance. Mm -hmm. No matter, or even if, if we've walked through Michael having cancer and stuff like that. So it just seems like you think, oh, I don't think I could ever walk through that. Or my first two kids were um, fairly easy babies and toddlers and stuff. And then the third one comes along and <laughs> he was a different story. And I think, you know, if if I would have seen someone else with a child like that, I'd be, oh, I just don't think I could handle that. Mm-hmm. But then the Lord gave me that child and he gave me what I needed to walk through that. So I've just found that if you lean into him, he will take care of you and give you what you need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what is so we know
0: from when we read Genesis it talks about you know God creating him Adam and Eve and God bringing Eve to Adam and and he says he's made her a helper fit for him and so we know that as wives God has created us to be the perfect helper fit for our husbands so I just wondered what is uh, what would you say is a number one way that a wife can be a helper to her husband Jennifer
2: uh, <clears throat> I feel like this is a little bit like love languages, mm-hmm. that probably every husband has a different thing that he likes his wife to do that encourages him or makes him feel like she's helping him and that sort of thing. Um, for Michael, uh, it's very important to him that I show him respect and he likes me to be present. So. There's times when I have to ask him, like, well, you know, what does that— because I I think being a woman, I don't know, always understand what looks like respect to him. So, you know, that's a dialogue we have to have, and he does. He likes me to be home when he's home. And so just to know that I'm there and
1: that sort of thing. That's good. Um, this is a question that I asked Tom about because I wasn't really sure— exactly you know I just said how do I help you and he said he told me that especially when he was working um, and our kids were younger he said it was so helpful to know that he could go off to work the house was taken care of he had his lunch with him that had been prepared in the morning a meal was ready when he came home and it just allowed him to be able to go to work and not have to worry about what's happening at home or if things will will get done or what would be facing him. Um, And also, uh, from the very beginning of our relationship, uh, we like to do things together. So often if there's yard work that needs to be done or a task that needs to be done that he kind of knows he's on a time crunch, then I'll usually say, how can I help you? with that and sometimes i can't do some of the physical things but there are small things i can do that that help hold something hold a flashlight or whatever and it it really uh kind of bonds us together and when we're finished with that project we feel like we've accomplished it together which is which is really a good Mm -hmm. a good thing i think yeah i think that's sweet that both of your
0: answers had the part of just being there together like they felt help just having you there when they're home or being with them when they're doing tasks I think that's I mean God created Eve partly to he it's not good for man to be alone so it sounds like they're saying just not being alone Mm -hmm. is helpful Mm -hmm. so that's that's sweet um Jennifer you mentioned this a little bit but um just respect so what would you say to a wife who just realizes Oh man, I know the Bible says that I need to be respectful. It's it's in there multiple times. You know, wives respect your husband. Um, so, what would you say to a wife who's like, "Man, I need to grow in this. I'm not sure what it looks like. I want to encourage my husband um, in his leadership. I want to encourage, or I want to respect him. So, what would you guys say for a wife who wants to grow in that,
1: Lonnie? Um, I think. It's important to recognize his leadership and communicate your appreciation. I think sometimes um, we can take it for granted and think that he knows it, but I don't think you can say it too often. You know, I appreciate that you did a certain thing that I asked you to do, or I appreciate you came home on time, or just any number of things like that, that, you know, sometimes it's difficult, and uh, we had a situation years back uh, where Tom hurt his back, and he was off work, and so a couple days a week, I went to work while he stayed home with the kids, and that role reversal was Mm -hmm. just hilarious, because (laughs) um, he was home with three little kids all day, recovering from a back injury, and I came home late, and I said oh, did you guys already eat? And he's like, well, what was I supposed to do? The kids were hungry, you know. And so I got a really good glimpse of what it feels like to walk in on, you know, sort of a cool temperature. And then he got the idea of what it's like when you're late, you know. And I didn't want to be late, but there was nothing I could do about it, you know. And so it really helped us respect each other and appreciate what each other does in the home. But I would also say as far as um, encouraging him in leadership is to take an interest in his job and his hobbies and what's going on at work. Um, you know, that's a big part of a, a man's life as he spends at least 40 hours and just to understand the struggles, you know, and to show... Um, compassion for the the stress and all the things that they go through, you know, I think that's important.
2: Yeah.
1: um Well, I think, like
2: you know I said with the respect thing and what Lonnie was saying, you do need to have that conversation just to find out you know what that looks from their perspective. And then I was also thinking like there are some times when we don't want to do. Things that we should do that help them are, you know, we might want to do what we want to do instead of what they want to do. And things, when I'm struggling with that, I do remind myself that I stood up there before man and God and promised to love my husband for better or worse. So that's always kind of a little kick in the butt for me (laughs) because our God is a holy God and... He's not to be trifled with. So if we made a promise, then we need to fulfill that promise to the best of our. I mean, obviously, we cannot do any of that without him. Mm. So we, he does have to give us what we need to do it. But we do have to turn our hearts that way and ask him to help us when we are struggling. Mm. Good. Um. What are
0: some guiding principles for when you're having a conflict with your husband? Not that you've ever had that, but you know, in theory, <laughs> how, what are, what are some things you'd
1: say you've learned just with when conflicts are happening, Lonnie? Um, I think first um, avoid words such as always and never. You know, accusatory things, um, and then um, we really resist name calling or personal insults or comparing um, our mate to someone else and why don't you do it like so and so or why can't you be like such and such and, um, and then just communicate how for me I feel like it's important to communicate how Tom's action or inaction affected me more than what he actually did you know so that so that it's my feelings more than it's not a criticism of him it's how it made me feel that's good Um, the main one that I
2: have tried to do over the years which um, I have found to be one of the hardest things to do and that is to respond rather than react I mean I have found that very, very, very difficult to do and just feel like just recently I've like maybe made some growth there but um I just feel like my flesh gets very strong in the heat of the moment and all my defense mechanisms kick in and I just want to defend myself. So what does it look like to respond as opposed to react? Um, taking a deep breath. Praying. Asking God to calm your voice and to maybe ask a question or even say you're sorry, even if you don't not sure what you did yet, you can say you're sorry in a moment and maybe, you know, say, I really wasn't meaning to hurt you, can you know, you explain that more to me, or, you know, how did I hurt you or something like that. Can't think of a specific instance right now, but yeah. Just slowing down. Mm-hmm. And taking a breath, and talking to God, asking for his help in the moment, and sometimes even being quiet for a few moments. Yeah. Uh, for Lonnie, I, what you
0: said about talking about, okay, not just, okay, you did this, or you, you know, I, I didn't like it when you did this or whatever, but more talking about, you know, this is how I heard that, this is how it affected me, this is how it tempted me. Um, I've heard Jeff talk about that, just, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's a, that can be a helpful category. So I can find that hard to Mm -hmm. be like vulnerable and be like, that hurt me Mm -hmm. in this way. Like maybe they didn't mean to or whatever. So can you flesh that out a little bit more? Just, um, how you get to where you can communicate that maybe in a helpful way that, you know, yeah. Can you just flesh that out? Like talking about how they're what they did, how it affected you, without being accusatory.
1: Yeah, I think that um, it does kind of tie in with what Jennifer was saying before about praying about things. And, And I would say most of the time it's not an immediate response. It's more of like trying to think it through and am I being overly sensitive or... Is it something that is valid that we do need to talk about? And then asking the Lord not only for wisdom in what to say, but the timing of when to say it and when to bring it up. You know, because um, Tom's always had a pretty stressful job until the one at Cornerstone. But um, so timing seemed to be really important. And if I would bring it up at a time when he was really had a a stressful day or he's needing to get something done and we don't really have time to talk about it, then that doesn't work. And God has really been good and faithful in helping me to just patiently wait and and then just say, you know, when this, when you said this, you know, a couple days ago, it hurt my feelings and here's why and then he would he would be able to respond in in an appropriate way you know but it was in a more conversational setting rather mm. than in a conflict setting and so we were able to make amends more easily but another thing i thought of um that i've heard on a another uh, radio broadcast about marriages was to um, if there's a conflict to repeat what the person said back to them as you heard it because sometimes our minds tell us they're saying something different than is actually being said or they meant something different and so sometimes if I just say did you mean this then he can respond with no, I didn't mean that, I meant such and such, you know, and that helps avoid conflict mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, just by asking a question or I don't understand what you meant when you said such and such, and then he can explain it to me, or he would say the same thing to me, you know. In fact, back to the respect uh, question, you know, early on, there were a couple times when I said things that W- wouldn't have were inappropriate in a group setting and he told me about it and of course I asked for forgiveness and um it was very important to learn that early on you know to not say anything uh critical in a group setting you know uh or have conflict in a group setting if those are things that we need to have privately mm, that's good yeah and I it sounds like one of,
0: for both of you one of the main things is maybe don't trust yourself in the moment to have <laughs> yes. to say yes. the most helpful things yes. and allow the lord to work in both of your hearts mm-hmm. so that you can actually have a productive helpful conversation that's wise because yeah saying what you're thinking right in the moment may not be the most helpful thing <laughs> at the time right um what is your favorite thing about being a wife I 't don't, I don't want it to just be negatives so <laughs> the hard parts of marriage so I'd just mm-hmm. love to know what you like about being married and being a wife Jennifer
2: um for me it's having a safe place and mm-hmm. someone that I am completely comfortable with I didn't grow up in the best of circumstances and I think um, when I got married it was without even realizing it but Looking back now, I think it was the first time that I really felt safe mm-hmm. in my life, so that, and um when I'm with Michael, I feel like I'm at home
1: Good. Good. um I think I asked Tom this question too, and um it's it's funny after forty five years, I guess you just start thinking lot, you know, <laughs> but we both said companionship, you know, just being together, doing things together. And um, when I—we got married in 1973, and um, in Pittsburgh, if you weren't a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, then you were a pretty lonely person. And I didn't know much about football, but I learned very quickly because I realized that I was going to be by myself on Sunday afternoons, you know, while he watched the game and would risk— him going off, you know, watching the games with other guys or whatever because I wasn't interested. And so uh, I learned football very well, and that's that's something that we enjoy watching together even today, you know. So we've kind of taken interest in things that each one of us have liked and enjoy doing them together. And um, so we just like being together and the companionship that marriage brings. Mm, Um, What would you say about how
0: just the truth of the gospel and how it encourages us as wives just as we think through our marriages um Lonnie, what would you say
1: um when i think of the gospel and how um it encourages us as as wives i think of ephesians 5 where it talks about the uh, wife submitting to her husband and then the husband loving his wife as christ loved the church And so for me, just as Christ has laid down his life for me, I see that picture through my husband who sacrifices for me and who loves me and cherishes me unconditionally. Um, The gospel calls us
2: to put others before ourselves. So um, when you're a wife, you're to put your husband's needs before your own. And I have found that the more I give the more I receive from the Lord. Um, I really believe that he gives back tenfold and even more than that. And I also have always felt what higher calling can there be in life to, but to give your life and service to the Lord by serving your husband.
0: I love both of your answers because I know people listening are going to be in very different circumstances whether they're excited about where their marriage is or maybe they're really discouraged or maybe they're not married at all and they want to be and I just think remembering that our marriages are a picture of the gospel and even when we're not married we're or not married or our marriage isn't going well we still because of Christ get to experience Mm -hmm. the companionship you were talking about the ability to serve someone else Mm -hmm. um and receive Christ as our husband who laid his life down for us. So I just love that, you know, those examples you gave encourage everybody, you know, whether they're, you know, happily married or not, or they want to be married, just that marriage really is a picture of the gospel. And we, the ultimate joy is in Christ. And then marriage is just, an extra benefit we get to enjoy because of him so that is very encouraging and um, thanks so much for sharing thanks for the work you're doing with the marriage mentors program and I did want to end by saying that this program is available for any couples in our church who are just wanting to spend time with another couple for the purpose of growing in your marriage. You don't have to be having a crisis, um, but you just want to take a little bit of time and meet with another couple. So if that's something you're interested in, you can contact Chris Moore at chris at com, and he will get you um squared away for that. So thanks again to everyone who is listening and thanks to you ladies for sharing.
2: Thank you.